podcast, Buckhead, presented by Fairly Sports. I'm your host, Phil Razor. Guys, I am once again joined by the atomic Aaron Kinney and the nuclear Nate McBride. Aaron, we'll start with you this weekend, man. How are we doing? How was your weekend? What are we drinking? Dude, sounds like you're queuing us up for a fucking explosive podcast here, bro. I am drinking a little light tonight. I'm going with a good old bush light. Uh, got to keep the stomach not a little too heavy because I got a beer league game here in a little bit. So, you know, just tossing one back and getting ready to have a great time. Amen, brother. Amen. Nate, how we doing? How was your weekend? What are we sipping on? Oh, man. Great weekend. Uh, wasn't quite in a hockey mindset. Thinking a little Masters time. Uh, focused in on that. Shout out to John Rom, Big uh Big Masters win, second time, and, uh, you know, Spaniard doing it on Seve Ballesteros, one of the legends' birthday. I gotta fucking love that. Um, For sure. But other than that, I did ch- I did tune into a little hockey. Wasn't 100% golf. Tuned into some hockey. Some great things to talk about from over the weekend, and it's the last fucking week of the season. Five more days of regular season hockey. Dude, That's all we got left. Believe. Big, big it's come co- from behind win, too, by John Rahm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, huge. Yeah, and honestly, it was more of a Brooks Kepka shitting down his fucking leg, which yeah. Um, you know, I'd say probably seventy-five percent of the golf world was hoping for. A lot of people, because of his transition to the fucking live tour and taking all that Saudi oil money, you know, people didn't want to see him or any of the live guys win that. So, very happy to see John Rom. I'm not gonna lie though, I was kind of rooting for a live guy to win. I was just like, fuck it, PGA, pay your people more. But I don't know anything about golf, so like that's that's just from a a layman. I was just waiting. I was waiting for. I was waiting for Nate's rebuttal. Uh, honestly, dude, the PGA Tour has made strides since the live to like up the purse and whatnot. But here's the thing: a lot of guys bitch and complain about, oh, I may I do all this traveling and then I don't make the cut and then I don't get paid that week. Well, play fucking better golf, then, dude. Like it's a plain and fucking simple answer. Like. This is a competitive league, and if you don't make the money, if you don't make the cuts, you don't make the money. Oh, so and you don't then, make you know money what? at all if you don't make the cut. I no. always thought you just got like your expenses covered. No, you don't. Damn. You don't even get your. Yeah, I mean, for some guys, like your sponsorships kind of outweigh that, but still, mm-hmm. like you got to be making cuts, or else the sponsors don't want you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I uh, I have a cousin who dated a guy that was on the tour for a little bit, and he lost his card recently he, he had it but lost it i'm like that's brutal man like you're good enough to get there but you're not good enough to stay there yeah you don't hear sucks. about those guys too often you know i was like that's fucking brutal but yeah congratulations to john rom got to talk a little hockey on you know well, golf before the hockey um i was watching hockey all day saturday so i, I got my fix in yesterday there were a few late night games shout out in the race to the bottom by the way uh but we got to start with the team in the east man that uh Holy shit, they, they finally broke the wins record, and it's looking like they're probably going to break the points record. We've talked about them ad nauseum, but we can't stop, won't stop, the Boston fucking Bruins, Aaron. Dude, I, yeah, like you just said, we've talked about them all season, but rightfully so. I mean, what this team has done, over 100 years of NHL play, and they're the first team to ever get to 63 wins. Now, it wasn't always an 82-game season, granted, but... It has been for a while, and it's it's crazy to see what they've done. 63-12-5 is just insane. Like, just think about that for a second. How many games you play and how many losses you have. 
like 12 regulation losses throughout the whole season insane but yeah they've got 131 points they're one point away from tying the 1976-77 halves for the all-time point record they win tonight it's fucking over man they're there uh in that game against philly where they did break the win record david posternock man this guy has roared to life here lately he's he's been on fire all season but his hat trick in that game got him to 60 goals second player this season to hit 60 goals his previous career high was 48 back in 2019-20 and he also set his career points of 95 back in that season too and he's already blown that out of the water too at 109 so yeah just crazy season from him uh do you boys think he might be able to catch mcdavid mcdavid has 64 goals but he's only got four in his last eight games and pasta has 11 in his last eight games i think it would be it would take something monumental for him to get there um not that he can't do it but i think mcdavid i mean yeah 64 and he slowed down a little bit but you know, either one of them could have a hat trick any given night. So the exactly. odds of, of Pasta, the odds of Pasta putting up, we'll say six goals, right, to McDavid's one over the final week, to to beat him out 66-65. That it seems tough, and the Oilers don't play much competition this week either. So I feel like yeah, McDavid will probably get one or two in there to kind of solidify himself um, for the Rocket Richard. But Nate, how do you do? You think Pasta down by four goals going last week of the year? Do you think he can? Uh, he can catch McDavid with his, you know, the way he's playing right now. Or do you think, uh, you know, the, the Rocket Richard trophy is going to go to Connor McDavid? I, I think it's going to go to McDavid, dude, because you can't, it's not like McDavid's not scoring right now. I mean, McDavid's going to get his. Pasta's still going to get his, but McDavid is also going to get his. And honestly, I, I'm not saying Pasta's going to cool down by any means, but like Pasta's had how many hat tricks in the last month and a half? Like how many multi-goal games? Like yeah. I mean, he's really fucking. He's on a heater right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm that's, not, and I'm not saying that he's going to stop that, but I'm just saying like that can he can't cons. I don't think he can consistently have that these last five games. And honestly, is there's a chance Boston could rest him maybe with one with like that last game against Montreal. Yeah. I, I can, know I can see that happening. I know Jim Montgomery has been on record saying he does not believe in load management. He wants the guys to play. That being said though, they play Montreal in that last game. Rest everyone. Yeah. You don't need them to play against cause you know, Montreal is going to take some cheap shots and you know, just based on that, you know, last weekend there are, we'll get to that story too, but they're bitter. They're mad. You know, there are a lot of Canadian teams right on the precipice, if not already in playoffs, and they're in a rebuild mode. There's no need to play them against their arch-rival Boston Bruins. Let the older guys and the superstars set out. You have unlimited roster size right now. Call some guys up. Let them play. You know, any draft picks that want to come over, give them a game. You know, here you go, kid. Get in there. I would healthy scratch half the fucking team if I was the Boston Bruins against the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I I could definitely see that. That would be the smart thing to do. Who knows though? Maybe maybe Montgomery playing for pride wants to let these guys go out and have an intense game against their rival, just pound them into the dirt. Who knows? If they lose tonight too, I I almost wonder like let's fucking go after that points record. I mean, obviously it's a very trivial thing to win when your ultimate goal is the is the cup, but you know, these are competitive guys. It's it's tough to call. It is. I, I agree with you there, Aaron. I just think uh, I think they'll wrap up the points record here, and then that last game will be irrelevant. That's my opinion, though. Yeah, um, I can see that. 
Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you already referenced Lou Lamarillo earlier, by the way, but I want to bring up something because his his team and Bo Horvat, man. Bo Horvat, boys, came out and was asked straight up by a reporter, how does this rank for you in playoff pushes? The excitement of this building and the fans' involvement over the past couple of games after uh, a 4-0 shutout win over Philadelphia on Saturday, to which Bo Horvat so eloquently replied, I mean, it's been unbelievable, a lot better than Vancouver. I will tell you that for free. Nate. Is he trying to throw shade, or is he just trying to show the appreciation to the UBS crowd after, you know, a massive home win? Oh, that's a that's a definite shade throwing. Um, no, I mean there was more there was more shade thrown at Vancouver than praise towards New York. Let's just plain and simply put it out there. Um, and honestly, I love it. If Van, if you're Vancouver though, you obviously live rent free in Bohorvat's head, and you will for a long time because, I mean, damn, you kind of wasted a little bit of that dude's career. You could have done so much with him, and you didn't do shit. You held on to him till the last minute to trade him, um, and honestly, you you sent him to a place that has fucking Lou Lamarillo. Like. It's not really. It's not yeah. really a big win in his book. I will now, say though, he chose to resign with Lou Lamorello, so maybe he likes just getting, you know, beaten to the dirt maybe, all the time. Maybe he's more. Maybe he's more thinking that all he has to do is wait out Lou's contract ending at the end of the season, and then somebody else comes in. I could see that. He's a, he's a sadomasochist. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think it was more honestly at the Vancouver management than the fans, like. Uh, obviously yeah. they were talking about like the atmosphere in the building and stuff but i i think it was obviously when you interview guys after these games and they're like just kind of in the moment speaking from the heart they're not expecting anything to go viral or anything like that but he i think he was trying to like fire up the crowd there and like take a shot at jim rutherford and the the dog and pony show he put him through there and i, I don't think he was saying like the people of vancouver are bad just the organization man i agree I, I agree with that. Obviously, Vancouver will take this in stride, and they won't use it against him ever. Next time he goes back to Vancouver and plays, oh, yeah. I'm sure cordial. Um, no, this is definitely a shot at management and the ownership in Vancouver. Um, yeah, I, I mean, New York's kind of jerked him around since he got there. I mean, he got there, and they're like, you can't wear your jersey, so fuck off. And I feel like he chose to resign because the Islanders are a team that, if given proper coaching – and proper management, they can be a fucking wagon. Like look, look where they are now, and they're boring. Imagine yeah. if they had a four. Imagine if they had a fourth line that had more than sandpaper on it. You know, like it, it's just crazy to me how how the Islanders play their game. It would be fun to see them get uh, more experienced um, in terms of the uh, the offensive department uh, head coach. Just my opinion. They're I think their brand of hockey is very boring. Um, to me, it's very much what the Dallas Stars were before they got Pete DeBoer. Just boring fucking hockey, but they grind out wins and they get a lot of they get a lot of shutouts too. Um, but I definitely think it was a shot at Vancouver management. I also think Phil that boring hockey that they're playing, that's kind of a, a symptom of the roster too. It's not like you can go in with an offensive coach and make things happen there right away. Like you might score some goals, but you're going to give way too many up because, like, look at their top six. You've got Horvat and. Uh, Matthew Barzell, and those are really the only guys who can keep pace in today's NHL. Like, Brock yeah. Nelson has had a really, really good season playing within the system and, like, camping out in front of the net and stuff. 
but mm-hmm. he's like he's not an end-to-end rush player. You you really no. do need to kind of overhaul the personnel, I think, before you can change the brand of hockey that these guys play and see success. Because I agree. Right now, they're doing everything they can to just drag teams down to the mud, score when they get the opportunities, and lean on Ilya Sorokin, who has just had an outrageous season. You guys want to talk about yeah. him real quick? Let's do it. Yeah, he's he's fucking insane. He has been the rock of the se- the team all season. Uh, he's got a 9.25 save percentage and a 2.33 goals against average, while saving 37.14 goals above average. Uh, that's second only to Linus Olmark with an outrageous 48.63. Holy hell, that guy's won the Vesna like six months ago. But yeah, yeah, he is without him, man. They are nowhere close to where they are right now. And they no. really need to keep their foot on the gas, too, because, like, right now, they're in wild card two. They would be matched up against Boston that we just talked about. But they're tied with Florida at 91 points. Florida's got the tiebreaker because of regulation wins. And they're in wild card two, and Pittsburgh's right behind them with 90 points. They've all three played 80 games. And if two of these teams slip up once or twice, you could see the Sabres get in if they went out somehow. It's... I mean, it's no, yep. by no means locked up that they're going to be in the playoffs. they got to keep it rolling. It's a great transition right there, Aaron, because before we talk about Buffalo, I do want to say that tonight we're recording on Monday, so this might be a moot point by the time it's heard, but if Florida wins tonight, they, they clinch. So yeah. I, do, I do want to preface our Buffalo segment with that, but Buffalo boys, they have stayed alive. Nate, it's impressive what Buffalo's been able to do, man. Honestly, for what they've been dealt with and what they've had to deal with and what they've gone through these last, like, months, yeah. I mean, Tage Thompson gets injured. He comes back. Tate or Alex Tuck gets injured, comes back. Um, you know, you're, way, you're kind of riding the waves of wins and losses and streakiness. But, dude, fucking finally they've given themselves a tiny sliver of hope. Uh, if the teams ahead of them lose going 6-1-1 one, and one over their last eight, to land at 85 points, and they have two games in hand over everyone ahead of them. Um, They had an incredibly impressive win over Carolina on Saturday afternoon, taking down the Canes 4-3 thanks to Thompson's 46th goal of the season, 6-15 into the third period. Um, Only reason Tage Thompson was able to score was Rasmus Dahlin's incredible block of a Tivo Teravainen backdoor tap-in. Um, which saved a goal and or which saved a goal in winning possession to start the rush. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. So, that, yeah, it was nuts. It was instant defense to offense, man. Yeah. It was textbook. That was like his defense second block offense. within three seconds, too. I mean, he was just yeah. he was a monster that entire game. Um, not just with that play, but that's actually the goal that he didn't get a point on. But he had points on every other one of the Sabres' goals in that game. Uh, he had a goal and two assists before that, and. That extended his point streak to five games. He's now at 15 goals, 57 assists, 72 points on the season. Just hell of a season for him. And he is tied at fourth in points among defensemen with two other guys who have just exploded out of nowhere this season, Josh Morrissey and Brandon Montour. Um, yeah. I dug up a little bit of a weird stat on these guys as well, just looking back at you know their careers. So they've all got career highs here. Last season, though, Montour and Morrissey both had career highs, you know, from before this, which was 37 points, you know, crazy jump for them, almost twice the amount of points here, and the season's not even over yet, but 
they both had the exact same number of points last year as a career high, and now they've got the exact same number of points this year as a career high too. It's just kind of wild how that worked out. There's got to be some voodoo magic there or something, right? I would say so. Something's going on. Yeah, this is a little fishy. I think this might be an inside job, boys. What do you think? NHL rigged. NHL, yeah, NHL rigged. When the NHL, NHL always been rigged. When the NHL script comes out, right? Um, I want to talk about Devin Levi too, man. This guy has been phenomenal for the Buffalo Sabres since you know getting out of Northeastern and coming there after a season. Um, basically, you know, even though his save percentage. Qui Gon like, Levi, as we're gonna, he's now referenced. Qui Gon Levi. There you go. Even though his save percentage is just 904, right around league average, um, he's been much better than what they had beforehand. I mean, stopping shots, you expect, you know, for a guy his age with his experience to give a few up, but he really hasn't. And honestly, he's one of the main cogs in the, the Sabres machine that's given them a fighting chance, you know, night in and night out. They pretty much have to win out um, to even have a shot. So if he wasn't there, man, I mean, do they even have this chance? Not at all. I, I don't know. No, no chance. You watched Craig yep. Anderson and Uko Pekalukin struggle before Levi came up and, you know, they, they kicked off. He's only played in four of these games in this hot streak, but they were outscoring their problems before that, and he came in and he really, really helped them out, man. Really tough loss to Florida 2-1 in his second game. He still played great, but he stood tall the rest of the time. Got lit up a little bit in Detroit, but really only two of those goals are his fault. Um, there were four goals that went in off of weird deflections or backdoor tap-ins or just weird-ass plays. But he, he stood up and battled, man. He really, really battled in that Carolina game. He is giving him just reliable goaltending. Like, he's making the saves that you expect him to make and a few more that you don't expect him to make. And that's really all you can ask for. I, out of a, out of a guy that just came up from playing in the Frozen Four tournament, yeah, I mean he's done everything you could ask for and more. And honestly, if you're a Buffalo fan, you've got to be super excited about what you've got coming up in maybe next season or the year after. Yeah, I'd say so. Oh, I think you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And guys, the the Sabers, man, they got to go Rags and Devils back to back. So he's gonna have to play out of his mind. I'd play him yeah. both games. Per oh, play. for sure. I, I think oh, so. Oh, uh, yeah. And you're playing, and let's not forget, you're playing the Rags at MSG. So, yeah. That's going to be, and the last week of the season, dude, that is going to be a ruckus environment. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's going to be a sellout at MSG this week. If they can win both, they end the year with two very, very winnable games in Ottawa and then the Columbus Blue Jackets. And. Speaking you of know, the rags, I, real quick, too. Wait, yeah. go, sorry, go ahead, Phil. I thought you were done. No, I was just going to say, man, if they can get through the early part of the week, they have it right in front of them. If, if all the dominoes fall where they may, uh, that would be a scary, fun team to watch in the first round. Yep. They just need losses from the Panthers or the Islanders or the Penguins. Like, two of those teams need to lose for them to be back yeah. in it. Um, you just mentioned the rags, dude. We were talking for a minute about how it was New Jersey and Carolina battling for the top of the Metro. Well, the Rangers right now are three points back of the Hurricanes. They're two points back of the Devils. We have got just an absolute race to the end here. There's three points separating the top three teams in this division. They're all yep. just powerhouse wagons. It's almost looking like what the Central was looking like last week. Which really, what they're yeah, still dude. looking like four points. Honestly, all there's there's two divisions that look like honestly, actually three. 
three divisions that look like that, where it's just a clusterfuck at the top. And even sitting here in the last week, we're, we kind of know what it's going to look like, but things can still possibly shift. Yeah, the Canes are about the Canes are about to puck drop with the Senators on Monday night, um, because they, they I mean they do have a game in hand. But you got Rangers Sabers tonight as well. Um, Devils don't play till tomorrow, and obviously we talked about that already. But the Canes also play the Wings tomorrow, so they're going to be even by the end of the day tomorrow, pretty much. And then it, it might all come down to Thursday. Who knows? Very well, could. <laughs> yeah, very well. Could. It, yeah, wow, Jinx, best, you, Jinx, you owe me a Jinx. fucking beer. I got you, bud. Here, uh, here I got one yeah. unopened for you right here. Thanks, bud. And then, uh, and then, dude, you look at the Pacific. Edmonton is two game or two points back of Vegas. Even on there's, you know, they're even on games played. So it's gonna come down to these last two. Wh- which one can pull it out? You know, can Vegas hold on? Can Edmonton ta- overtake it? I think, Col- in my personal opinion, I know they're only two points up. I think Colorado's got the momentum to hold the Central, and it's just going to be, you know, who's going to get the home ice between Dallas and Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was surprised to see L.A. fall out of that Pacific race, too. They Dude, just... L.A. Couple Dang. tough L's. Couple yeah. tough L's. They've lost three tough games in a row, man. Edmonton, Vegas, and Colorado, and just a really tight 4-3 loss on Saturday, man. Um they do have the Canucks and the Ducks coming up, so that's how they close out their season. I mean, they're not—they're out of reach of catching, actually, both teams. Man, they can only pick up four more points. They're locked into third unless they drop one of these, and then Seattle's got the door open to come up. We could we see the Kings as a wild card team? Oh my God. Boy, and, and you know what? It, it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got the X there, so we all know who's clinched. Uh, it could flip there. Boy, I. I don't have I don't have the remaining games left in front of me, but Seattle's on a four game heater. Edmonton's on a seven game heater. Um, that's got to be worrisome for if you're a Los Angeles fan right now, seeing Seattle on that four game heater. So Seattle, the Kraken, yeah, the Kraken play the Kraken play the Yotes tonight, by the way, and then they play the Golden Knights tomorrow. So we'll we'll know more. We'll know more on Wednesday morning where yeah. uh, where the Krakens take. The, uh, I the definitely Kraken like do them. Have that I, game I, in hand. They have that game in I hand. I like them. I like them against Arizona. Um, it's gonna there. It's gonna be a tough one against Vegas. But um, that anyway. last game of the season, if Vegas is locked in, though, maybe they're maybe they rest some guys. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I think Vegas is looking at that Mark Stone back skating now non-contact jersey um as like a let's get it back to the second round how how about that boys like every year we're seeing this with cap circumvention oh it's great like yeah just go on to ir here get some back surgery man you'll be fine just hang out over there until playoffs start you're good yeah like yeah fuck it you know why not uh one team that cannot really afford to do this though the florida panthers man they are surging right now at the right time ever since big big walt kachuk called him soft absolutely exactly you talk a little shit about him that's what they needed i'm thinking matthew told told his dad to do that 100 percent. maybe yeah he's like dad piss the boys off six game six game fucking heater dude yeah dude and dude alex lyon oh my god That's one guy who didn't need any motivation. He came in and just ripped it up from the fucking get-go, boys. 
956 save percentage while being in net for all six wins. His team mm-hmm. outscored opponents 28 to 9. I mean, he's definitely the reason that that 9 is there. He's yeah. he's fucking killing it, dude. Yeah. I mean, Bobrovsky, this is kind of weird too. He's been out with an illness it says since March 29th. Like how sick has this guy been? He uh, he returned to back up Alex Lyon on Saturday, but like he was sick for over a week. I mean, Jonathan Taze has had long COVID for three years now, apparently. Yeah, but like we didn't so, hear any of that stuff coming around Bob. It's it, like we never heard long COVID or like lasting effects. It, like he's been playing all year. It's kind of just kind of weird to me. He's homesick. Bob's ready to go back to the KHL. I don't know about that one. I'd want to stay ready to, from Russia. He's right ready. Now. He's ready to go. He's ready to go get paid in just bags of money with Dude, no tax. He's already getting paid bags of money, bro. He's making like $11 million almost. When he plays in Florida, there is no tax. So, yeah, no. no state tax. Dude, honestly, like in the, within the six-game heater, I think you especially look at that game against Ottawa last week. First of all, Ottawa had 58 shots on goal. And only had two. Mind, remind you, the score was 7-2. So he allowed, so he saved 56 of 58 shots. That's fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, also, that game was just a pure, that game was pure chaos. It was yard sales left and right, man. What a fucking game. We love chaos. The Kachucks were menaces out there, never fighting each other, but always being involved in something else. That's going to be so fun to watch for years to come in the Atlantic, man. The Kachuk brothers going at it. The Sens are trending up. The Panthers are trending up. It's going to be very fun to watch them. I want a Kachuk playoff series so bad. That'd be so sick. Like, give me, give me a first, give me a first round. Matthew v. Brady, two v. three. Let's go. I can a hundred percent. I a hundred percent have Ottawa in the playoffs next year like i think they're a team i think they're a team that makes the moves in the offseason they make this you know they sign the people they need to and they end up in the playoff race next year i don't know if they're you know solidifying a you know a top three spot but i could see them definitely getting a wild card they've also they, got it, a full season of jacob chicker next year too oh uh-huh. they bring can they bring to bring it back yeah i don't know I think, about that one maybe that's a tough one. But, like, Claude Giroux's been a great get for them. You know, he's brought a lot of veteran leadership. He's crushing them in the PK, too. Um, I'm just curious to see if they could, yeah, like you said, adding a few pieces, because that's a franchise that's never won a cup. It is in a Canadian market, so it does have the draw to maybe the right Canadian player. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's tough to get, get guys to go to Ottawa. It's not exactly a, a sexy destination. That being said, however... With a potential takeover and you know sale of the team, uh, depending on who comes in and buys them, I think that would be, you know, an ownership group that comes in and goes, "We're going to splash cash. This should be a top ten market. We're in the fucking capital of the biggest hockey country on earth. Let's go." I'm also wondering and, and- if they're going to want to pay what the brink at once too, because, like, from his perspective, he's scored over forty goals twice in his career, but his only season in Ottawa, he's got twenty seven goals, thirty nine assists, and eighty games. And you look at his, like, splits here, 11 of those goals are on the power play. So he's yeah. really only got 16 even-strength goals this entire season for a guy whose biggest weapon is his shot. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, I'm yep. sure he's going to want to get paid big money. Like, do they want to commit money in term to him, not really knowing what they're going to get? I think to bring it in the right market would be able to get nine mil a year, like a Dylan Larkin size contract. But based on this season, was he made to look better by the top line in Chicago? I think we could all agree. Yeah. It's kind of so crazy far. though. Cause look at who he's playing with now. Like, Stutzla and Giroux are having career years, and he's playing with yeah, them. Yeah, like why is he not benefiting you. from that? Uh, I don't think Stutzla is quite the passer that Patty and Taze are, but um, I think Stutzla's potential is you know out of this world. But DeBrinket was brought in to be the guy on his line, and I don't think I don't think anybody thought Stutzla would be right here right now. Yeah, I think Stutzla's a year ahead of where everybody thought he was going to be. Whereas DeBrinket was supposed to come and be the guy that would put up 40 goals on that line. Yeah. And yeah, he did other places too, like Calgary, like in Florida. Kachuk's having a great year, but nobody else involved in that trade's really having a great year, and the guys in Calgary have suffered. Um, so I think, you know, maybe a little cohesion would be necessary as well. But if there's like a top, you know, top six guy out there that, you know, that Ottawa thinks they can bring in and really substantiate you know, those top two lines, I feel like that would be the move that they would go after. And if DeBrinket leaves, then they'll be looking for, you know, I think they'll be more willing to pay top dollar uh, for a winger, barring, you know, any halt or any problems in a new ownership group. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out with the sale of the team and who's in charge and the other moves that they make. Because let's not forget, too, they're going to get Josh Norris back next year, too, because he's been injured most of the season. Yeah. He got screwed by their medical staff, but we don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to. <laughs> we don't have to ruminate on that one too much. Um, going from one Canadian to another, uh, we need to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they pulled off against Montreal. Aaron, you want to go into that, <laughs> dude? So this matchup instantly, like as soon as you saw it, you knew it was going all Toronto. Montreal is just kind of playing out the string on a lost season. They want to lose. Toronto's ramping up for the playoffs. They go out and they pump Montreal seven to one. Matt Murray's injured, so they had a. Uh, uh, I initially thought this was an emergency backup goalie, and that's what a lot of people are calling it. But it's actually a uh, an amateur tryout contract they signed a kid out of college for. Yeah, his they name. Did, by the way, by the way, they're doing it again tonight. Yeah, yeah, that just got released. That's uh, it's really interesting to see. They're they're just like reaching whatever town they're in, picking up some uh, some college dude to back up in net. But yeah, they signed uh, Jed Alexander. And he was the backup, and they're like, you know what? We got this game wrapped up. 7-1, last minute of the game. Let's toss him in, let him get a little bit of action. And actually, before we go into the fallout of this, uh, I thought it was really interesting. They interviewed Sheldon Keefe after the game. They were like, so when did you make the decision to do that? And he was like, it wasn't my decision. It came down from upstairs. They are like, whose decision was it? He's like, I'm not going to get into it. So, like, I don't think he wanted to do it. Like, there's a little bit of dissent there between him and the front office, maybe, about this. Do you think Dubas wanted to do it as, like, a fuck you to Montreal? I, maybe, maybe Steve Eiserman was, or not Steve Eiserman, uh, Brandon Shanahan, sorry, wrong Hall of Fame Red Wing, that is now a GM. He, uh, no. I, I think he, like, thought it would maybe be a good story, because he, he's the president of hockey operations, he's about the, uh, the PR stuff there, and Let's not forget the Leafs were absolutely embarrassed by a fucking backup Zamboni driver emergency goalie. 
against Carolina yeah. there a couple years ago. David so, Ayer. so maybe David they wanted a positive e-bug story on their roster. Who knows? But I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. That, like, it, if you're Sheldon Keefe, why are you even bringing that up? Just be like, yeah, you know, we want to give the kid a chance. Like, don't throw your fucking management group out there and, like, talk shit about them. Like, I'm wondering just... if he... I'm wondering if he's looking at that first round against the Lightning and he's like, God damn it, if we lose, I'm going to be out of a job. Yeah. And everywhere, everywhere I interview, they're going to go, why'd you put that kid in? Dude, if if he, if he they lose to Lightning, everybody in that front office is out of a job. It's like, they this are. is it. I, I think are. I think we got to pump the brakes. I'm gonna I'm gonna start go ahead and start pumping the brakes there because I I just don't think it's gonna happen. I think I think Toronto's pretty much. I'm not gonna call it science sealed, but because it's gonna be a tough series. But dude, with what with what Tampa's facing injury wise right now, yeah, that is tough. And and, and honestly, um, yeah, but it's Toronto in the first round. Well, speaking of Toronto in the first round. After the uh, the e-bug situation there on Saturday night, Chris yeah. Weidman, who's an NHL veteran, uh, real big contributor in Montreal, he's got six go- or six assists, zero goals in forty four games this season. He uh, <laughs> he gave a, a postseason or a post game interview about it, saying uh, they'll get what they deserve in a few weeks. So he's he's preying on their downfall here, as probably most of the hockey world is, knowing what happens in the first round to Toronto. God, that's brutal, dude. Yeah, Chris Weidman. I mean, I feel like he's been in the league for a hundred years. Yeah, he's a he's a big time locker room vet. Um, Nate, I know you said you're gonna take Toronto in the first round. A little little hot take there. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna ride with Toronto, there is there a possibility to ride with Toronto beyond the first? No, round? <laughs> Pump the brakes there, buddy. Pump them real quick because, uh, no, they got Boston after that. And uh, sorry, guy, but Boston is – Boston home ice, sorry, ain't going to happen. President's that, that would be a fun though. one. Though. That would be a fun one. I mean, I don't know. Toronto could run into playoff Vazzy, dude. They Vazzy. could. Vazzy win a fucking series by himself. Yeah, he can. I get I – get, he can 100%. <laughs> I mean – I'm not saying he's going to, but Vazzy is definitely capable. Uh, Leafs fans, come at us on Twitter at Beerly Hockey. Let us know if you agree with Nate's take there. Do you agree that uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have it signed, sealed, and delivered in the first round against Tampa with all the injuries in Tampa's form recently, or do you think uh, you're still shitting your pants because you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you haven't won a first-round series since 2004? At Beerly Hockey on Twitter, let us know. Be sure to also go to our Instagram at Beerly Sports. Check it out. Check out the merch store. We really appreciate. Come that. on, Toronto. I pipe. I pumped you up. Back me up. Exactly. So go and support us there, guys. And uh, if you have any questions, especially going into playoff season, please let us know. Tweet them at us. We are happy to do listener questions live when we record. We're happy to talk about anything that you want when it comes to your team. Um, and if there are any Leafs fans out there that like to come on the podcast and do a little uh, playoff preview, we would love to have you. You guys are insane. And I think it'd be really fun to get you on for 20 minutes. So let us know uh, there as well. And that goes for every fan base, by the way. If anybody has, uh, you know, their own podcast, they want to come on here and pump theirs uh, and do a little playoff preview with us. We are absolutely happy to have you for a segment there. Uh, it'll be a good time. And, uh, you know, just DM us on Twitter at Barely Hockey for uh, some more information there. Um, guys, e-bug situation aside here, um, do you think, and because in playoffs you're allowed to have three tendies, do you think we'd ever see an e-bug in playoffs, like if all three got hurt in a game? 
Like, what do you do? You think is is that that's what it would take to get rid of the e-bug in general? Uh, dude, I don't know if. What do you? I mean, what's your what's your solution? Have another goalie on the roster for every team? Is that every, is that? Every arena has a guy that's at least played in the AHL. You pay him a hundred thousand dollars a year, and he's there every night. Yeah, who's who's? Yeah, I guess, but who's paying him? Like the, that that like franchise, the, that that franchise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he doesn't count against the salary cap or anything. Okay, that's fair. No, yeah, obviously he can't count against the salary cap. His job's not to play. His job's to be ready to play. And number two, uh, it's like baseball. You know, baseball has a bullpen catcher to warm up the relief pitchers. It's the same fucking concept, you know? Instead of having an amateur e-bug there, why not just have a guy, the NHL pays, you know, $100,000 a year to seasonal jobs. That's a great seasonal job. And, you know, you basically show up at the rink every night for all 41 home games, and your job is to go in if everybody gets hurt. I mean that's kind of what they have now. They just aren't like AHL guys. Really, that's it wouldn't it wouldn't take Ret- much to adjust that system. A retired AHL guy or a guy that played in the AHL and has fizzled out, might be thirty years old. That's way more reasonable than some guy that played D three St. John's Quebec University, and now here he is taking shots from Austin Matthews. You know? Yeah, I think the uh, the guys that they're signing right now, though, the Leafs, they're like their college seasons just ended. Like, they're actually young college goaltenders now. They're at least not like, you know, oh, I played back in the day and now I drive a Zamboni. So it's, I'm not saying it has made It Zamboni. has made a little bit of progress, I think. Yeah, that's just my, my opinion. I think that the NHL generates enough revenue that that would be yeah. uh, definitely worth looking into. Maybe they should get a better TV contract. How about that? You don't have, uh, uh, you don't have Scott Foster, the accountant, coming in. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um... There's a lot of, I mean, obviously this week's going to be an absolute gong show um, with, you know, we've talked about all the divisions and everything, you know, we're having up there. Is there like another point about the divisions that we want to talk about before we talk about a little frozen four? Um, I do want to point out Minnesota. We talked about like mm-hmm. some other teams getting injured. Colorado, they're fighting injuries now. They've got Kale McCarr. He was out indefinitely. He's coming back now. Uh, he's listed as day to day. Hasn't skated again, but I think he'll be back for the playoffs probably. Bowen Byram also out, so their their blue line's not looking great. Um, they've been fighting injuries all year. They keep clipping along, so be interesting to see how they deal with this. And then Minnesota, um, Joel Erickson Eck injured now too, so that means that we get to see Marco Rossi called up. Uh, this guy, I have been really excited to see him at the NHL level. Minnesota Wild fl- fans have been clamoring for him. Our buddies over the Soda Pod are. More happy to see him kind of develop his game at the AHL level, which I kind of agreed with. But it's going to be cool to see him get some reps here on that third line. Um, actually, it looks like they've shaken it up a little bit now, too. Matthew Boldy and Johansson are now up on the top line with Frederick Gaudreau. And Rossi's between Hartman and Nick Patan. So new look third line for the Wild. Going to be interesting to see how that works out tonight. And Kalen Addison, no longer a healthy scratch. He is Finally like, in. He's not, a, he's not a health bomb anymore. Bro, not only is he in, he's playing on the top pairing with Jacob Middleton. So, big fucking moves for the Wild with roster shakeup. beauty. Yeah. Middleton's a beauty. Yeah, he uh, he had some really good reps playing with Eric Carlson there last year. And uh, he's kind of bounced around since then. And now he's he's looking to work with some uh, Kalen Addison magic here, I think. little offensive-defensive tandem. Did you see, by the way, Aaron? Um, is it, don't, didn't they call like a new, like a young D-man now that's making his debut tonight? Did you say that? Uh, no, no. Marco Rossi, the center. He um, 
He's had a couple games of NHL action, but he's been in the AHL most of the year. He's like their stud prospect who was out for a while with COVID. Yeah, no, no, I know that. Um, they they called someone up today. Oh, is it Brock Faber? To... Yes. Yeah, I don't know much about him, actually. I'll let you take it away on this one. No, I just thought they called him up today, and, uh, you know, they were jumbling around their, their defensive pairing, and he's right there on the second pairing right now. Yeah. Dump, uh, Matt Dumba's left out. So I, I just thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, what they're – it's so crazy this time of year, man. You got guys making debuts. They just finished their college season, and then, bam, they're going to be in playoffs. And they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, speaking of guys going to be in playoffs, which will this will kind of transition us into the Frozen Four – with uh, mm-hmm. Quinnipiac knocking Michigan out, Luke Hughes coming to the Devils, I think we're going to see him in the playoffs. Uh, did we already talk about Matthew Nyes? No, we can. Okay, let's go, Phil. I'll let you take it away. Matthew Nyes, dude, this week, heartbreaking loss. And we're going to get into that in a second. Heartbreaking loss from the game I called Mini versus Quinny. Um, Minnesota, man, uh, definitely the heavy favorite there. I mean, Quinnipiac's no slouch. They, they've been runners-up twice. So the Bobcats, they were not unfamiliar to the game. I think they've won um, the most games yeah, dude, in college I, hockey over the past two years now. Yeah, dude, they're a wagon yeah, over They there used to the be East. a dog-shit um, program, too. Yeah, dude. Uh, Connecticut's having a year. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, Nyes basically plays in that game, then all of a sudden here he is with his ELC with Toronto a day and a half later. So he, we'd be seeing him in playoffs, too. You never know. Um that's so wild to me, man. Like, you're playing for a national championship, and then, bam, here's your ELC to fuck Toronto. Yep. That's uh, that's what happened to McCarr, man. He came into that second-round series against San Jose back in uh, the playoffs before his rookie year, and he, I think he scored in his first game, dude. He was totally a game-changer just from the start. It's, yeah. It's awesome to see these guys who have been – I mean, they were basically coming from playoffs in the college, like really, really high-octane, high-level hockey against other really good teams, and they just – mesh seamlessly into the nhl if you get the guys that are talented enough yeah 100 percent. did you do you guys watch that game on on saturday night by the way i saw the end of it i didn't see the whole thing but dude that fucking goal off that face-off play uh, quinnipiac dominated the face-off circle all night to begin with yeah, they did. But then they have that set play off the face-off in overtime ref drops the puck unfairly has to redo it takes two seconds off the clock drops it again eight seconds later it's in the back of the net and just a fucking outrageous celebration with a duck hunt from Quinnipiac <laughs> on the way down the ice to celebrate. It's, I feel so bad for Minnesota, man. This was supposed to be their year. They had that absolute high-octane top line. Um, our buddy Hoppy from the Soda Pod was down there. It's just yeah. heartbreaker for them. But it, what, a, what a year for Quinnipiac, man. Knocked down three Big Ten, big money schools like Blue Bloods, fucking... I mean, Ohio State's not really a hockey blue blood, but they're, you know, one of the powerhouse programs in the Big Ten. It's a brand. Yeah, it's a brand. Exactly, it's a brand. Oh, it's a brand, yeah. Take them down in a hard-fought game, take Michigan down, then go on, beat Minnesota, just ran through the Big Ten. It's crazy. Do you guys think Fantilli uh, actually goes back next year, or do you think uh, when he gets drafted, probably second overall, um, he, you know, he'll, he'll bolt? Or do you think it'll depend on who drafts him? I, I do kind of wonder if it depends on who drafts him. Not just because, like, yeah, oh, if this team's bad, I don't want to play for him. But I think it might be more on the basis of opportunity. Like, if he can come in and yeah. play some solid minutes versus just being buried in the lineup, I think he'd probably go for it. But if it's going to be like, 
oh yeah you know this team we're loaded up at center we drafted you you're gonna develop for a little bit i think he'll probably go back yeah like honestly if columbus drafts him i think he i think he goes i think i I think he at least comes to camp and tests it out and see if he wants to uh, see if he you know can get a spot yeah can they do that um, Actually, no. I don't think I don't think they can do that. I they, think you gotta. I think they have the prospects camp. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they'll do it. He can go to prospect camp and then yeah, he'll go to then, he'll go to Traverse City. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a hell of a tournament, by the way. Oh, it's fun. You going up again? You going up again next year, Aaron? I don't know. Um, I would have liked to go to more of the games this year. We were kind of traveling all around the state of Michigan, so I only got to see the one. But yeah, it was fun. I I would love to make the trip again. It's it was a blast. I uh, just I, I just saw some forever. yeah I saw some Blues fans in there gas and beers that's who they were playing for the game that I watched. Kirill Marchenko scored some nasty goals. It was just it was a great time. Yeah, dude, Kirill Marchenko not getting any love for the Calder by the way. Calder odds came out today. It's like Matty Veneers in the bag, homies. <laughs> if he dude, I'm still not placing much weight on his odds. If Stuart, if Stuart Skinner you know slams the fucking door these last couple of games, I mean he's making a hell of a case. No, Matty Beneers. I, dude, Matty Beneers is the favorite according to Vegas, but Stuart Skinner's come on lately. Oh yeah, I mean Stuart Skinner's, you know, Stuart Skinner's put up an impressive show. Say that three times fast. But no, I think I think we put a lot of emphasis on goal scoring for every every trophy we have in our beloved game, whether it's Defensive Player of the Year in the Norris or you know Hart. Or whatever we put a lot of value on scoring and that's what veneers does so look look how often attendee wins the heart very infrequently well because usually you don't have rookie attendees starting this many games and playing this well it's true i mean and we had two this year logan thompson didn't get hurt holy shit yeah well and you like you mentioned marchenko if he played the whole year maybe yeah his his goal scoring prowess has definitely been uh something to take note of He's got that OV game, dude. All yeah. the goals, no assists. I <laughs> and I'm not saying Stuart Skinner's a slam dunk by any means. I mean, Beneer's top line center on a playoff team. That's that goes a long way. But I yeah. I just think Stuart Skinner has to be given some consideration for what he's done, especially for this Edmonton team that's never really had good goaltending or the ability to prevent goals as a team as well. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right in that regard, too. This Edmonton team's been crushed recently, even with the deep run last year. You know, look at games they had against Calgary. They lost, what, 9-6? Yeah. And Stuart Skinner probably should have been playing most of those games instead of Mike Smith, let's be honest. Yeah. Geriatric Mike Smith, exactly. Um, Nate, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this bad boy up? Uh, You know, anything in the NHL or, you know, college hockey or anything obscure? Yeah, um, I was going to just take a look here real quick. Uh, did you see anything about some uh, some Jack Adams odds that might have come out? Because no, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know Jim Montgomery is going to be the favorite of that one. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead a case here for one, Dave Haxtell out in Seattle. This is a guy that is... About to take a team into a playoff run with a guy with not a guy on the roster making over six million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. He also he also had the balls to send Sean Wright. Shane. Sean Wright. Shane. Shane. I know. I just tongue tied myself. Shane Wright back 
to Major Junior and health and you know health bond him a handful of times. To health bond him when his grandma was in the building, bro. Yeah. Damn. Brutal. Uh, you see, by the way, the t- that the team that sh- uh, traded for Shane Wright and all of them lost to the Kitchener Rangers in the first round. It was an eight over one. Yeah, that Damn. was tough, man. Ooh. Damn. Yeah, they loaded the fuck up, and Kitchener just <laughs> Kitchener slant Kitchener Columbus Blue Jackets to the Tampa Bay Lightning to them. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And yeah, the, and the, and that team traded so much to get get them in there. But either way, um. Yeah, Nate, I, I love the shout there because, yeah, that team did nothing last year. For being a, a solo expansion draftee, they had a terrible draft. Yeah. They, and they, they, they seemingly corrected a good amount of their problems in one year. I think that was and, their you game know, plan, though. And honestly, here's – and if you if we're looking at the definition of, you know, what the Jack Adams Award, it's, it's awarded annually to the coach – to the coach adjudged to have contributed the most to his team's success. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Jim Montgomery, but you had a lot walking in there to that position with that team, whereas in I'll, Seattle... I'll argue a little bit there, Nate. Just yeah. because he held the fucking ship together, man, when everyone was injured to start the year. I mean, I, I can't remember what you guys picked. I picked Boston to not even make the playoffs because... Half their team was out until like half the season was over, and Jim Montgomery went in there and just like he got everybody pulling together, playing super well, and yeah, just the the way that they play too, it, that I've seen different from him under Cassidy, just the tenacity with which they back check, man. If you get into their zone by God, you know God's grace, you better get that shot off in like half a second because somebody is going to be on top of you instantly. And the way that they just like go. I'm not. After the uh, look, I'm not. Hey, hey, I'm. I'm not taking anything away. I, I, Jim Montgomery is going to win the Jack Adams, a hundred percent. Like, but let's just be very clear on that. Jack and Jim Montgomery is going to win the Jack Adams because he is the best coach in the NHL this season, hands down. He has done the most to. He has done. He has contributed the most to his team success. I get you. I, I do I, like the love, saying is you I had, like the love all, for Haxtell, though. I Haxtell uh, has yeah, done a very all, good job in year two. All I'm saying is Haxtell did not have as much in there compared to Jim Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. It'd be yeah. interesting to see, like, obviously you could never do this, but to compare, like, different coaches with the same roster. Because, like, I mean, yeah, but there's he, no he's in a – That'd be fun, actually. Yeah. That'd be a fun experiment, though. It, it sure would. Um, another guy that I've got to throw in there too, Pete DeBoer. Just what Dallas has done, what Jason Robertson and Mira Haskinen have done. Um, just Rupe the, Hintz. Yeah, Rupe Hintz. The the contributions that he's gotten from the veterans too. Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn having renaissance season. Um, he's somehow making everything work with Ryan Pylon. Or sorry, Ryan Suter back there. Ryan Pylon. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, I, I really like the job he's done as well. The parking cone down there in Dallas, Ryan Suter. Did you guys see the For edit? Sure. Somebody edited uh, one of his shifts on Twitter. It's this video. They literally just like superimposed a traffic cone over top of Ryan Suter on like three or four shifts as people are rushing around. It was amazing. It's a reasonable. You know what else I saw? You know what else I saw was uh, a photo edit yesterday of. Uh, Aaron Ekblad out at the Masters with a big orange cone, <laughs> saying, "I hate, I hate Brooks Kepka. I hate Brooks Kepka." That's so funny. Because that's exactly, 
That's exactly what fucking Brooks Kepka did to Ekblad like a week or two ago. I don't think we talked about that oh, on here, yeah. did we? No, no we, we didn't. didn't. Go, yeah, go into that for a second. Yeah, so Brooks Kepka a couple weeks ago like shows up sitting in the box at a at a Panthers game. Must have been fucking like jumpsuit January night in fucking March because these guys all show up in like their fucking velour jumpsuits looking like it's a fucking episode of The Sopranos. And Brooks Kepka has a fucking traffic cone. God knows where he fucking got it. Just a big orange traffic cone. And he's sitting there at the edge of the box, beating on it at the end of the game, saying, Ekblad, fuck you! Fuck you, Ekblad! Um, and Aaron Ek- or, and after the game, Ekblad was asked if he, you know, when he, he and Kepka know each other, and he's like, no, don't know him, and honestly, don't want to know him. Yeah, that's... Dude, if you're a professional I know athlete, what, that where move... Did, where did this a, beef come from? Yeah, who knows? Who, this beef is so Brooks Kepka's just a douche. That's that's who he is. Brooks Kepka's kind of a douche. It's just such a random beef to have. I See, I I liked Brooks Kepka for a while just because Bryce and DeChambeau is such a douche and like they had their beef. But I, it's got to the point where they're both just like, fuck both these guys, you know? Yeah, Brooks is Brooks is showing himself to be a bad guy now too. Like, we all thought he was the good guy, but no, he's the bad guy, dude. Yeah. I mean, the eye roll meme is still iconic. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I'm I'm not gonna like say they're good guys or bad guys because we don't know them. Obviously, they're entertainers. They're doing some shit to like get in the news, but like, it's, I'm just it's, saying, it's like, they, they take on the they take on the persona they take on the persona yeah. of the bad guy. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not saying the that heel. they're actually bad. They're yeah. playing I'm the not heel saying... real, real well. They're the playing the they're the playing the villain role. Yeah, yeah. You need villains. You need villains. Gives you us something know, to talk it makes, about. It makes life way more entertaining. I I hundred percent agree. Um, that'll just about wrap up this episode. Let's fucking go, Buffalo Sabers. Here we go. JJ Paterka one nothing over the Rangers. Buffalo's making a push. Here we fucking go, boys. Hey, stay tuned. I'll be live tweeting these games tonight, folks. I know they won't hear this till tomorrow, but. Well, I'm sure. I'll yeah. What the yeah. Stay tuned for. No, no, stay tuned for last night. We talked about. So we able to compare what we talked about tonight via the tweets. Stay the tuned tweets for last here. night. <laughs> tweets from last night, exactly. Oh, That's what it's gonna it. be. Love it. Yeah. That. All right. I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up for Nate McBride and Aaron Kenny on Phil Razor saying purely hockey. Pairs well with Bruce. Hell of a broadcast, boys.